welcome to Should I Just Quit My Job? I'm your host, Maricela Herrera. Thanks for being here today. I have an awesome guest for you, as always. <laughs> I feel like I say that every week, but honestly, truly, I mean it. It's I am so lucky to have met so many incredible people through my work and through my life and just happy that I can get now to share them with all of you. So today you're going to hear from someone who is kind of in the same boat as I am. So today you'll hear from Arshia Malik. I'm not even going to say her title because she currently actually doesn't have one, but she does go into how she's describing her role and what she does, but I want you to hear it straight from her. What I can tell you is she's all about impact. She's worked in the nonprofit sector. She also co-founded a social enterprise focused on measuring inclusion within companies. That's how we met. Arshia's story is really interesting because this is the second time she's been in a big transition. So the first time around, she was in her 20s and she threw everything, caution and everything to the wind <laughs> for a big life change. She actually moved from New York City to Goa to live at the beach. Now she's undergoing a pretty different transition as she's just left a company she co-founded and spent six years building. I really loved my conversation with Arshia, not just because, well, I genuinely like her as a human and as a friend, but because so much of what she's grappling with resonates with me. We are both going through something that is not necessarily comfortable for us. We don't have a specific, you know, this is what I'm going to do. So we're, we're having to explore and be okay with being uncertain and without having a plan and figuring ourselves out. In this interview, we talk a lot about her first transition and how she discovered and learned so much about herself and how this is a different setting now and it's a different time. And I think you're going to get some really good, good nuggets from this one. We talk about ambition. We talk about the definition of success. We go everywhere. So I hope you really enjoy it because I'm... I had a blast taping this. See you next week. Introduce yourself to the audience so that it comes from you. So my name is Arshia Malik. My pronouns are she, her. Um, and as maybe folks who are watching this can see, I put my title as a human capital strategist and entrepreneur. That is a work in progress title because as it relates to this podcast, um, I just quit my job. So uh, I don't have one of those things right now. Um, that being said, for the last 10 plus years, I have been a um, social enterprise entrepreneur, meaning that I have been growing and scaling companies 
that are in some way tied to some sort of a social impact or mission. I started this career uh, working within the nonprofit space with neurodiverse populations across the world. And most recently, I was a co-founder of an HR tech company that was measuring inclusion in the workplace. And of course, that's how um, I met you through partnering with Elevate and, and such. But I think these about me and bio moments these days are, are tricky for me. And as we were just chatting offline, and I'm excited to talk about a little bit more with you now. It's weird to talk about who you are and what you do when you're in between things, you're figuring it out because so much of what we're kind of brought up to say or coach to say has to do with what we do for work. And it's kind of forcing me to think about it in a different way since I'm in that place right now. Yeah, I I understand that very much so. Uh, you know, I, I've said before that I feel like I'm in a, in a little bit of an identity crisis. And I really like how you're phrasing, you know, human capital strategist and entrepreneur. Like you have, there's kind of this theme to it from the things that you've done in the past that you're very clear about, which is, which is really, really cool. I'm just in the human part right now. <laughs> I identify as human. Yeah. Yeah. That too. I will say what's, what's interesting about this time is I'm figuring out my next step is that I'm, I'm facing a world where keywords are so important and so a part of this beautiful little phrase down here is that i'm i'm very much thinking about that and it's it's something that i have mm -hmm. a lot of discomfort around i feel like an imposter with this with this title but there is something to be said around our own navigation of being human and figuring out who we are and how we market ourselves and how do we encapsulate everything we've cared about and worked on in these short little things and then also in a way that makes sense to another human that's that's sitting yeah. in their own world and their own lived um experiences and this is this is the closest this is the closest i've gotten but that's that's kind of what i'm doing i'm figuring my next steps out which you know it's uncomfortable but it's exciting it is we're gonna start going into your your background and your journey because you've done this before like you said first you started a nonprofit. did you always know you wanted to do something that was social mission oriented or did you ever toy with the, the dark side yeah I'm I'm now toying with the dark side because I'm like stability that sounds fun I since I was a kid I was that like kind of stereotypical kid that was just like i'm going to change the world i'm going to work on things like poverty and hunger and and i don't i don't even think i fully understood what that all meant of course but um i grew up abroad so we're kind of moving around um originally i'm from india my family's from india but i grew up between dubai and new york which are two very very different places um and as i navigated the world as an immigrant forever still an immigrant think it's something now I, I wear much more proudly than I did before for all the reasons that one can guess uh, that's a whole other conversation mm -hmm. but I was constantly kind of aware of like differing experiences that people were having based on identity and identity was something that's been top of my mind for a long time in very different ways I went to school for political science and public policy I thought at one point I was going to work at the UN you know before I understood how the UN works which is that's another conversation as well great intentions for all these organizations and I know they do good work I I think as we get older we realize that every organization is a system at the end of the day and is a bureaucracy at the end of, end of the day in different ways and I 
as I left grad school, I was kind of looking at the world and I was like, what am I going to do that makes me feel like I can get creative with what I'm doing? How do I maintain staying in New York as an immigrant? That was a very real thing I was navigating. And I'm like, not afraid to talk about that. That is, it's very tricky when you're navigating visas. I met the founder of a, a nonprofit. I did not start that one. I joined as kind of first or second full-time employee, essentially. Yeah, and helped grow that. And, it, and it's it's not something I I expected or planned beyond the fact that I was looking for something that had some sort of a social impact. I had no no background in neurodiversity. I knew very little about it. And that's, you know, we had clinicians working in that organization, but what I was doing was nonprofit operations and, and kind of working with kind of program management. And so that worked and that was great and super exciting out there for five years. Um, and then as you kind of alluded to earlier, I I had a shit, I just quit my job moment five years after that too. So this is round two for me. So turns out yes. I like to do this every once in a while and shake things up. Why did you leave the nonprofit? I think there's similar reason as I left this most recent organization. I think I stayed at both for somewhere between four to six years. It was a little bit different for each one. So a good chunk of time for someone that was just out of school, right? I think, I don't know what the averages are now, but people tend to say that folks stay for a couple of years and then move on. And and I, because I was coming in, I think at an early stage and help growing and building and, and things were so nebulous at first, I had more incentive and excitement around staying to see the things that I was building come right. to fruition. Yeah. And I, I loved that. That was so fun. I was building partnerships. I was traveling. I was, you know, different parts of the world and, and meeting incredible folks working on these issues that were so passionate in ways that I didn't even fully understand or know. And it, all of that has contributed to me growing. I think sometimes life aligned, at least for me, there's like six okay. things in my life that all felt like they all needed to change in all these little ways. And then eventually it was at a crescendo. And I just was like, you know what? It's very risky and a little bit scary. And I threw a visa on the garbage, meaning that I, I threw away my stability in this country, which was very hard, but I just couldn't ignore my gut. Were you on an H1? Yeah. So I was, people looked at me like I was absolutely nuts, but I just couldn't ignore my gut. It was just eating away at me eventually. And there was nothing wrong with the organization in and of itself. I just hit my ceiling and I just knew that I wasn't doing as much as I could be doing, or I wasn't having the impact I wanted to anymore. Um, and I just, I, I knew that my life needed to take a, a hard left turn. And so that's, I did that then. That was 2017. Today's 2023. And, and here I am again. So it was mostly what growth or or like what you wanted to accomplish within a place and other life stuff. Yeah. It was a growth thing. I think there was also there was, you know, to be honest, a, a beginning of a shift in how I saw the future of the organization kind of continuing and how folks a little bit higher up than me were seeing that and I it was one of those moments where we were at a crossroads where things were going to continue in one or the other direction and I didn't feel like I needed to be part of the direction that I saw that it was going to be anymore and so I'm trying to say this in all the, the nicest ways possible because it wasn't necessarily <laughs> like a super negative thing but I think you do come across right. that also when you're growing organizations like you're growing, you have like very few resources, you start getting more resources means you start having more responsibility and you have to start kind of showing up in certain ways. And um, eventually as you grow, you hit growing pains. And I think that right. for that first organization, 
I did not agree necessarily with some of the some of the decisions being made. And I felt like, all right, well, I put in my time here. This has been great. And I'm ready for the next thing. And so it just felt like a natural, right moment. I left totally amicably. I still keep in touch with folks from Ben. And um, I learned so much. I learned so, so much about me and what I'm capable of and what I am good at through that to kind of set me up for the next thing. What were you thinking? Because you left again that that point also without having anything planned out right what was that intention I don't know if quarter life crises are real but I, I I guess it was a bit of that I have I've had this like dream since I was a kid as well of just living on the beach and seeing what that felt like and I I have this kind of like hidden um ugh, I don't want to use the word bohemian but whatever is a more appropriate word for this that I would just live this life this island life and I would my family had a small apartment on a, on a beach in India and I was just going to go be there and be in like artist communities not that I'm an artist but just be around those sorts of people and and do that life and so I ended a relationship I left the job I gave up my apartment and I bought a one-way ticket and I flew across the world and my parents were incredibly supportive I am so grateful and privileged to have that and I had no, no plans, like zero plans. All I knew was I needed to try that in order for me to see. And I felt like I felt young enough. I think every age as we get older, we're like, oh my gosh, time is just flying. I'm so old. I'm running out of time. I was 27. I look back now and I'm like, 27, like so much time ahead of me. Yeah. And it's, it's actually helpful this time because now I'm, it's six years later and I'm thinking about it and I'm like, okay, I am six years older, but I also still have a lot of time ahead of me. I'm trying to keep that perspective in because it can be super stressful in the middle of things if you think about just like the rat race of life. But yeah, I just, I just kind of went there and um, fortunately I ended up meeting my co-founders just shortly before that or, or one of them. And so that just weirdly fell into my lap as an opportunity to work on and, and brought me back to New York a year later. But I I loved it. I, I literally got up every day really slow. I made myself little like instant coffee because I couldn't get really good coffee there anymore. And honestly, I kind of loved it. It was just so simple. Life was so simple there when you're leaving New York and going and living in a teeny little space. Um, and I would just go sit by the beach and, and do work and read my book. And I need to do that so bad. I think if I hadn't done that today, I would be thinking about that all the time it would be eating at me that like hey should you be doing that maybe you're anytime that you're unhappy it's because you're not doing something like that instead you know and again you scratch that itch sometimes and obviously I was I had the the support of folks around me in my community to do that which is not always something that folks have and um I feel that was like the, one of the best years of my life I just I traveled my friends visited me I spent more time with my family who live in Dubai than I've ever done like since I since 18 years old um, I spent my my parents' birthdays with them for the first time in 10 years. Uh-huh. And I remember crying on that day because I was just like, I haven't been able to just be with you on your birthday. And it's these small little things where whether it was cost or visas or school or work, I couldn't make the trip all the way there. And I was always someone's guest in someone's house for Thanksgiving or what have you. That just meant a lot. That year meant a lot. It It gave me time to figure me out um, in a way that I was not expecting. I did not know. I just made a kind of like, whoops, got to do this. Don't know what I'm doing, but I got to do this. And I did it. And um, it worked out. I love that. I love that you followed that dream 
at some point and without knowing and kind of just trusting that, you know, it'll be okay. And did you plan on it being a year? Well, I guess you said you bought a one-way ticket, mm -hmm. so you were just going. Yeah. And also for me to come back, I would need another visa, so I, which is already really hard to get. So I was like, I guess I'm not coming back. Like, thanks, New York. That's been fun. Wow. Yeah. I did not plan to come back. How did that feel? Because you were li leaving behind a, a life. A life. Right? Yeah. Really scary. I'm really driven by it and in, um, enriched by friends. Sometimes I'm to the point that I, I probably could set better boundaries, but I... I have a huge community here. A lot of my college friends are here. I grew up here for, for many years. I have some, you know, really close family friends here. It was really scary to leave. I came back. I remember coming back in the summer in New York in 2018 because it was monsoon season in Goa and like everything was closed. So I was like, well, let me just go back to New York where it's glorious in the summer. And I, when I came back from New York, back to Goa in August, I was like, I had like a two week, like total crisis where I was just like, what have I done? What am I doing? Why am I here? But I think you kind of have to, I remember there was a couple of moments where I would like watch myself just be like, you're going through it. Just like feel all the feelings. That's why you're human. Like this is what that means. Feel the anxiety, the stress, the, the moments of depression, the excitement, like I have never been freer in my life, which I think, I think freer doesn't necessarily just mean that you feel all the good things. I think it means that you feel a lot mm -hmm. of, a lot of things <laughs> and you're kind of putting yourself in a very uncomfortable, not stable. And again, relatively stable have access to an apartment in Goa where, you know, I didn't right. have family there, but like relatively, like I felt all the, all the feelings you could possibly feel in extremes. And I think that, um, yeah, I didn't know until like two months before I moved back to New York that I was definitely moving back to New York. So I just needed to just take it a week at a time and just see what happened. Granted, I was working on Elyria that whole time. But also I was like, maybe I'll just work on Elyria from Goa for the rest of my life. Maybe that's fine. I don't know. So you met your co-founders before you left. And you said it was kind of like just randomly. Mm -hmm. um, I have an amazing mentor. Gosh, mentors, mentors, and and I have a white man mentor. That's really helpful to have one of those, you know. Um, real talk. They open doors. They help. They help you navigate things. No, yeah. Before I actually quit that job, I was starting to talk to him, and I was like, you know, I don't know. Maybe I should start thinking about what I'll do next. I don't know when or you know why, but maybe I should just start talking to folks and thinking about it. And he's like, I'm gonna set up conversations for you with people in all sorts of industries and all sorts of roles that could at least somewhat be, you know, tied to what you're doing. And so I think I had like 50 conversations in the span Oof. of like a few months with all sorts of folks. One of them happened to be the individual that became one of my co-founders, Paulo Gariano. And he, um, when I, we met, we sat on a bench and just chatted about diversity and inclusion and, and people management and he was on his way to a, an event and I was on my way back home from a, a different event. And um, that was it. And like four months later, right after I bought that one-way ticket, I just got an email from him being like, hey, Rishia, you know, I think I want to start that company. Like, are you around? And I was like, well, I'm about to not be around, but let's have lunch. <laughs> and sometimes like, I'm not someone that really necessarily thinks about the universe providing in, in those ways necessarily, but 
it's hard to ignore the timing, you know, it's really hard to ignore that. I truly had just put my notice in and just, you know, again, ended that relationship, told my landlord I was not going to be renewing. Like, I just had done all of that like 48 hours before. So yeah, so that's, you know, I met him a while ago, but it was just, you know, we weren't in contact. And then we just ended up chatting again. And I was like, well, I mean, he, he was down for me to help figure out how to set, start this thing up from, from going. And um, that was that. It's interesting to me because you on one hand had you know this plan of not planning like yeah in a way like you know this plan of going and doing all these things but also then this opportunity came about and you were able to take both and go with both whereas I put myself in your shoes and I don't know if I would have either gone like oh I should not go like maybe maybe I should change what I'm doing or say fuck this i'm going so i don't even want to think about that. yeah what made you be like you know let's give this a chance even if i'm doing this from you know the other side of the world yeah um to be honest firstly i was like great this is gonna pay for some plane tickets because i want to travel <laughs> real talk that was the first thing i didn't know what this was gonna i was like i'll sure like i believe in what you're talking about i don't know what that's gonna look like but I want to go to Spain and I want to go to Sri Lanka and I want to, you know, I had no plans to, I was going to figure out money when I got there. And that, that was honestly just dope. I was like, okay, great. Perfect. Like that. Thank you universe. You know, now obviously as things kind of continued that that I got more involved and this seemed really, you know, I got very involved of course and became a co-founder, but, but it was, it's, I hadn't really thought about it the way you just said that where like I held both I had the plan and I had the oh actually like some semblance of structure and stability and I think I was just like uh it was again I'm gonna say something that's just so not me like the year of yes type thing I wasn't I'm that's just not me like I'm not doing that but <laughs> it felt like I'm too much of a cynic for that but it felt like sure you know, I tend to say sure <laughs> more often than the year of yes. The year of sure. Maybe that's actually a good way to do it. Maybe I feel like now I'm also in the year of sure. Or I hope it's not a year. My gosh. I think that's a yeah. really good word. Yeah. <laughs> the year of sure feels better to me than the year of yes. Yeah. yeah. It's like going with the flow. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Going with the flow. It kind of just felt like I have nothing to lose. Let me just do it. And I think today is, you know, the thing that I'm saying a lot of sures to is a lot of convert. I'm just talking to so many people constantly. I don't have, which I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I don't have that kind of stability or security right now. I just left after like this company consuming my entire life for almost six years. And I loved our clients and our partners and all of that stuff. And it was really hard to, to make this decision. Um, and right now my days are not at a beach. They are in the winter in New York. And mm -hmm. I am saying sure to a lot of conversations and I am, um, it's, I, I really hadn't thought about that. I hadn't thought, cause I keep kind of comparing now to then and seeing, thinking about my growth. And I think that that's, I hadn't thought about the fact that not only was my mindset different, of course, I was like single and traveling and everything was fine, but then also I had this income coming in where I just, it kind of freed up my brain in a way to just be like, all right, I'm really going to truly be in this life right now. I highly recommend 
like have a quarter life crisis throw throw shit in the garbage it's amazing it's truly amazing i've told so many people i met one of my best friends just traveling who also had just thrown her shit in a garbage and left new york really yeah totally it's 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 very it kind of forces something out of you you kind of really figure yourself out i think you know it's the discomfort whether it's here in the U.S. or it's just in a small region, obviously people have access to different things. But just, I don't know, see what happens. My husband left his his home in Seattle and took a one-way train across the country on Amtrak and just with, with like a duffel bag, you know? I'm obviously also drawn to people like this, I guess. You know, you and I are chatting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am trying to think if I had a quarter. I did have a quarter-life crisis. And I, in different ways, I think, because I think, as I was writing that post we were talking about before, a big piece that I took out was how I felt when I finished my MBA. Mm -hmm. um, I had worked so hard to get to that thing and to that goal. Then the moment that it was done, I was like, now no, yeah. no, what? Um, I'm certainly having a midlife crisis. Sure. Right I'm having whatever version of that is in their 30s right now myself. You know, <laughs> I don't know. We don't have enough like names for these crises anymore. I know. I think our society has progressed in the number of crises we have. And I think what you, I think what you just said about like now what around when you're working towards something for so long is also very real. I think as much as I'm talking about my like, oh, I like threw things in the garbage and I ran away and I did all this stuff. I'm also like. I'm like a step follower. I'm an instruction follower. I am. That's a thing that's very much an immigrant thing. I think that's very much a um, certainly a South Asian thing um, culturally where like my comfort zone in many ways is what my friend and I call it efficient spontaneity. Ooh. I'm really good at being efficiently spontaneous <laughs> and like operationally it makes sense. You know, I have my little structure around like, I, I feel control over things. And I think it it's a mindset thing. It doesn't may not actually exist, but that doesn't necessarily have to matter, I think, if you have a mindset of right. the control. And I think that was then, that was what was happening then. In that, it's like, when I finished my grad school, I just was like, question mark, question mark, what am I doing? Then I did the job, that job. And then I was like, okay, I know that I'm done. Now what? I don't, I've never been, it's never been easy for me to just know what's next. And right now I feel very mm. untethered. I'm very untethered right now. And it's very hard to feel when you, for me, when I don't have a clear thing, I'm at least working towards in the short to medium term, how to enjoy all of it, if that makes sense. And I think that mindset in 2017 was like, my goal was to get to Goa. Cool. My goal, now that I have this, is to have x number of friends visit me over this next year my goal is to take a pottery class i don't know i just kind of had these like it was just a very different framework i was working within for this mm -hmm. and today i'm just like i don't know there's no i don't know i'm figuring I, i'm figuring out what the goal is and i think that's why i really like this Substack article that you just shared which folks should read which is just like what am I doing? I'm having a million conversations. I'm hanging out with you. I'm hanging out with other folks that I've met through my time in Elyria and other places here in New York and elsewhere. I'm visiting my friends in DC because I have more time to. And then what? 
and that I'm I'm basically mm-hmm. trying to figure out what that next thing is. And that's deeply uncomfortable for me. It's really, really <laughs> scary. Yeah. Don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. Because everything seems possible. And that's not exciting to me. That's too many options. Um, mm. And I don't know how to put enough effort into the right one sometimes. I am struggling with that same thing. Yeah. I think that's why I end up doing all of these little things like the podcast or the writing or like, yes, there are things I enjoy, but I know they're not going to be the thing that I have to end up doing to make a living. Right. But there's so many options, which I was going to ask, actually, going back to when you met your co-founders, you were in Goa. Did you, because you were coming out of a nonprofit that was very small, were you thinking, I want to go into a place that's also small or start something? How was that different as you were grappling with the idea or like? No, as my mentor likes to make fun of me. Um, for I always think I'm going larger and I always go smaller. I'm on this like never-ending quest for stability, I think. And I think it's because that I have created this definition of stability in my head, which I don't think I've created. Let me back up. The society has created. Um, and I am understandably socialized to think of that. Um, and also living in a reality where, as you just said, you have to make a living and navigate the world. Um mm-hmm. And so for me, I was like, well, I've been doing this and like mission, like, yay, like, pub, you know, international development work, great, you know, checking the boxes. But hey, like, I don't know what my future is going to be at that point. I still don't know. I'm, I'm again, my, my comfort zone is the short to medium term. I have a really hard time thinking too far ahead. I like all sets mm-hmm. of instructions. I, I thought I would at least I should go into corporate and get into a bigger role in a bigger company and like navigate what that's like. When I talked to the to my co-founder and he was like, well, let's start this. I was like, this is going to be this like side thing I help him with for a minute and then we'll figure it out. And then I got more deeper into it. And then we, you know, very shortly after I joined, Apollo found um, Lisa, who's a very good friend of mine and, and my other co-founder. And her and I became very close. She came to visit me in Goa. We were like working on Alaria in Goa, which was I again, everything was a sure, you know, I just none of this was expected or planned. And then we decided I was asked, hey, do you want to come back here and do this? And so I said, well, I just had my crisis after visiting New York. And also I was realizing that I can't live on the beach forever. And I am a city girl <laughs> and I'm a New Yorker. And you really can't take that fully out of yourself. But I had learned about me the things that I needed more of which I, depending on the day, I'm either failing or succeeding at in my life today. But I think it was all, it still continued to be a question mark until I literally got on that airplane on February 19th, 2019, to come back here. And I remember even mm. on that airplane coming back here, knowing that I was coming with all my stuff and I was going to find an apartment and here I was again, I was just like, I didn't get the big, bigger company job. I'm not living in Goa anymore. I didn't even try to get the bigger company job also. Yeah. <laughs> so every I, I I tend to kind of go, I guess, and again, this is something I haven't reflected on very well or much, but I, I guess I tend to go with what feels right and makes sense in a moment. And what felt right was, and I'm still very happy I did, like, you know, Lisa and Apollo and I just had this vision and this idea, and we all brought these very different strengths to the work. Um, Paulo had the vision. 
Lisa very much had a product background and a sales background and knew how to think about the packaging and like how we're going to sell and navigate that growth strategy. And I was, as I continue to be and love to be, and again, things I've learned, the operational person. I execute. I take the vision. I take the business model plan, all of that. And then I help make sure we're actually operationalizing it. And that to me still is like, so I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't work in the big company and all that. And now I'm a founder. And I, I felt a kind of ownership in a way that I'd never had before, not in the nonprofit. Yeah. And I loved it. To this day, I have only worked with pretty small teams, even if my clients have been massive multinationals. And, um, a thing that's funny that I think about is that I've like rarely worked with men. That's going to be an interesting thing one day. <laughs> Very interesting yeah. thing. I've like rarely worked with men. As I now, I'm again <laughs> talking about thinking about going into a bigger company. Shocker. Um, and I have a better understanding of like the struggles I'm probably going to have with it than I did back then. Um, but no, it, it's so fun. It's so fun to build and scale and ideate. And mm-hmm. and I know I'm not the big picture person. I am the breakdown into smaller pieces and figure out the steps person. And and we really had a great distribution of our strengths that made sure that we could kind of do that well. So that was fortuitous, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, that's how you build a founding too. Right. I think. Right. You have to find the. You have to find the the complementary skill sets yeah um and it's you're very much a coo type of person in my my opinion which really a coo what the role i had before being ceo ceo it depends on who you're working with right like i was a good coo for christy Mm -hmm. as a ceo i wouldn't necessarily be a good coo for someone different because you have to complement the skills of the other person yeah especially in a small organization i mean on mm-hmm. any given day there's so much happening you have to support each other and i think also there's a very i remember hearing this from someone in TechStars who ended up supporting us and um, we went through an accelerator is you know it's really important i think to not be dealing with like a power conflict and situation mm-hmm. so like i know this about me i will be often the most external person in terms of all of our clients and all of the partners and and, and all the conversations and, and just so much of this biz staff stuff, I love it. What I absolutely never, ever, ever want to be, and I know this about me, is I do not want to be the CEO. I do not want to be the person that's like running around making sure that we're getting the right messaging across and all the things. I'll, ha- I'll help craft the messaging. I'll help find the opportunities to where the messaging should go. But I don't want to be... And I think this was one of our strengths is I had no interest mm-hmm. in being the CEO. I had no interest in needing to be the loudest person in the room. In fact, that's like, I'm, I can't be loud, but I'll be loud in my way. And the team knows and the people around us know my role. I don't mm-hmm. feel the need to be yeah. in that place. And I think in any growing team, any founding team, in any leadership breakdown team, you have to have that because sometimes I see co-CEO things and I think I don't understand it necessarily if it works great but I don't know I feel it just feels like it could get messy yeah there's not one person accountable then no one is accountable I feel like you need 
there has to be clarity on what each person is doing. I think CEOs are also, I think there's an element of like, you are the face of the organization in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. especially the smaller you are. And I think that you have to go all the way into it. I mean, I saw Lisa do it and I was just like, she's great at it. But also there were days where she'd be like, I don't want to, you know, run my mouth on this stuff right now. Like, I just don't feel like doing this, but she had to do it and she did it. And I was there to give her space to be like, oh, at the end of it, you know? I love that I know that about me. I'm the executor. I'm the, which I don't, that's a weird word. I'm the operational person. (laughs) Um, I'm the deep generalist that can do whatever. But, and I love that. I love that. Like, let's problem solve. Like, let's work on something, you know? See, I consider myself a generalist and I'm struggling with that a lot in this, in this period of time, because I feel, and, and granted, it's also the, the CEO thing also hangs, never thought I would be taking that role, nor like it was just not in my plan Um, and things happen. But the generalist part, I'm like, I don't know what I do. Yeah. (laughs) Because I do all these things, but I don't know what I do. Yeah. So I'm struggling with that. How are you dealing with kind of knowing that about yourself, especially as you're looking to go into bigger companies, because I feel like that's harder yeah. to explain a role. Oh, yes. Especially in like the right words on a resume. Hence human capital strategist. Um, I, <laughs> I, um, yeah, I was on thesaurus.com the other day, literally looking up words that could I could add as an adjective to the word generalist to see. I was I was Googling job descriptions, not about me, not for me necessarily, but for that had the word in it. That was like, how is this being described? I was looking at people's LinkedIn profiles to see how they talked about themselves as a generalist. I am on this mission as well. I do not know. Um, but at the same time, when I am talking to someone naturally through a warm intro or just a conversation about just getting to know one another, which again is like most of my days these days, um, they love that I'm a generalist. There's actually, there's a value that people really value that, right? I think in bigger corporations, what I'm seeing right now is this excitement and interest in folks with a background in wearing a lot of hats and doing a lot of things because it's such a different way of thinking than than maybe if they were hiring in from someone else who's already also in a large very matrixed bureaucratic setup right um where they're used to the set a system and a structure where you kind of do your job and of course it's cross-functional work but you're not necessarily automatically thinking of things in a different way and so when i talk to people and they're you know thinking about or I'm getting advice from folks that's like when i'm doing a lot of feedback and advice and towards me I, I continue to see that as something people are excited about and interested in, um, especially now when things are shifting all the time so much. But I think it is very hard to, yeah, do an about me or a quick bio or a, I'm at an event and I'm like, hey, you know, my my name's Arshia. This is what I've been doing. No, I'm, I'm not an HR person. No, I'm not a DEI person. Mm-hmm. But also, yes, you know, <laughs> so... Um, but that's not what I'm marketing myself as. I am I am a startup founder and I am a social impact yeah. entrepreneur. And that means I can do a lot of things. Um, and I think I think that's really valuable. I think it's yeah, the 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 branding of that is, is tricky right now. If I'm on my own mission, if you find out, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will. Same. 
Was it harder leaving your company because it is your company? Yeah. How do you actually deal with, I am walking away from this thing that I built from scratch? Yeah. It's very hard. Um, I still miss it. Again, even though I wore a lot of hats, the role that I had was really tied to ensuring our clients were using our platform while being their therapist in a lot of ways. Um, when you're a client person and you're talking about employee experience, you just become a little bit of that. Um, and I loved working with them. I loved all of them. They're all such impactful, passionate people working in large companies, trying to make things happen. And I met so many incredible individuals in the community around, around Alaria that I kind of helped build and, and, um, drove. And so it was very hard to leave, but I think when I finally decided it actually didn't, it felt really good. And I think that the hardest part was deciding when I think at the end of the day, I think I felt it in me earlier on, like a few months before I actually did it. And I went back and forth about it. I was talking to my family and my community and my friends and my partner and um, no one else because <laughs> everyone else around me, like all the clients, like I can't, I can't show that. Right. That's the other thing with this is there's only so much that yeah. you can do when you're a small organization and you're a founder because you don't want to freak anyone out if something's changing. Mm -hmm. I fully understand that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think you had the same thing where you had to, there's not a ton of notice you're able to give the, the clients and the partners and such. And I, I didn't even like that. I really wanted to do it sooner, but I knew it wasn't about me. It was about the business at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and the best I could hope for was that because they understood me and I had a good relationship with them, that they knew that that was the decision of when it was done was based on not on our relationship, but on the business. Right. And, and I think that's, that's, that worked. I think, um, there are a ton of folks that I still stay in touch with yourself included, of course. And, um, that I've had conversations with that are just so supportive and awesome. But I think at the end of the day, it was, it was truly just, it felt right. I felt like it hit my ceiling again. I think, um, what I had built and where it had gone so far, like my contributions thus far, I think I had made obviously a massive impact in that way and built out a lot in terms of how we actually run and serve our clients and the, the thought leadership and all of that. And I said, okay, you know, now I'm in a place where what are the things that I feel like I wish I was doing? I wish I was seeing this work all the way through. I wish I was on the other side. And so I can still be the co-founder of Valeria and a champion of that work and a continued supporter and um, if and when it makes sense, be called in to help represent or talk about anything and keep working on this, right? Um, keep working with those clients even more closely because that's that's really what I see myself doing next. So each of these, you know, these last, these two biggest kind of jobs that I've had in my life um, post-school have each kind of further honed what it is that I like to do as a generalist. How I like to think about impact from nonprofit to for-profit. I think those words also mean less and less anyways. Um, language has worked a lot over time, of course. And mm -hmm. I think when we talk about every company has a mission and vision at this point, every every large company from Verizon to Macy's to whatever, they all talk about their vision and their values and their mission. And so like we're all, and they're all framed in terms of its broader impact, even if it's not like 
built into bylaws or things like that. And I think companies are being forced to think about that. Like we are impacting the communities around us. We're impacting our people. We're impacting all of these, all of these parts of the world. And so we can, I can continue having impact in different spaces. It's about finding the right space where I can find the right team and I can work on the right issue that allows me to continue to grow, leverage my skills, but then really learn more about myself as well. You know, I mean, my gosh, six years ago, I never would have thought that I was going to be here right now. Like, there's no way. Which is why I kind of like the sure mentality. Um, unless something feels like totally ethically, like <laughs> not aligned. I tend to be open to most things, you know. Um, and that's maybe part of why I'm having like a million and a half conversations right now. Because while I have more direction than I did six years ago, there's a whole host of other question marks now that weren't there six years ago either. I think as you get older and you start putting yourself in certain sorts of roles and trajectories, you start getting pigeonholed more there. So the question marks yep. I'm dealing with right now are, how do I not be pigeonholed? If I were to be pigeonholed, what sorts of language can I use to pigeonhole myself in a, as flexible a way as possible? And again, this is, I, I'm, I'm funny that we talked about this title before, but human capital strategist, it is actually quite vague. It's like, I help people think yeah. about talent management. I help people think about DEI. I help people think about learning and development. So I'm, I'm actually talking about operating a business in terms of its employees in particular. So, but I don't want to be just a DEI manager or DEI leader. And, right. Right? and so it's like, I think I'm navigating language in a very different way. I think things were much more open to me six years ago in terms of where I could have inserted myself from an operational perspective. Yeah, you you've already gone through a trajectory mm -hmm. with you know your work and being a founder. And again, being a founder, I think when you're in a small company and you're part of that small company in such an integral way, whether as a founder or whether one of the first employees or whether whatever it is, yes, your identity, but from what we're talking about, your brand becomes really tied to that. Yeah. And so you you have to navigate almost with more baggage what you're doing yeah um yeah baggage and not a not a bad way necessarily but yeah baggage still baggage still and i think also the world has changed right like today yeah. when i think about how i want to spend my time you know i remember i shared this article in we have an hilarious newsletter it was like a while ago and it was a time magazine article about ambition and it's something that's always just made me feel Ooh. so icky the concept of ambition or the concept of like, you know, just equating people to their work or thinking or defining people tied to what they're doing, you know, for eight hours plus a day. And I've, I've always not been good about that and not been great about that. And I've, you know, people tell me that people would meet me and they'd be like, I just met you or she and I'm weirdly talking about all of my family history and like what I think about, you know, religion world and i think it's because i just my brain just goes there and I, I i like to get to know people from that way first and but that's not everyone wants to be there and that's fine but mm -hmm. i think i think it defines more about who we are and i think there's more room today in 2023 there's more of a conversation around changing that that language around identity right so to go back to that article that article in time to me felt way too late but it was talking about how the changing definition of ambition I remember my mom read the article as well because I shared it with her and she she emailed me and she was like, this is so interesting. Like, Arsh, I never thought about it this way. And I was like, mom, you never thought about your life's ambition beyond just what work you're going to do? Like, you're, you can be ambitious to be 
a parent. You can be ambitious to be not a parent. You can be ambitious to be a traveler. You can be ambitious. You can have ambition around going to an art class next year. I mean, it's it could be whatever you want. It's something you are striving for, right? And it's and I think that today, the part of the question marks that I have is like, I'm also asking myself, what do I want my life to look like? And that doesn't mean whatever I do now is what I do till, you know, I die. But it's about what are these steps that I'm taking that, and that allow me to live the life I want to live day to day right now um, that can kind of help me continue down that path. And I think I'm still figuring that out. I'm I'm excited when I hear other people talking about that kind of stuff because that should be normalized, I think yeah it's you know it's just I remember like you know first day of grad school I was told that I had to immediately I was like I was told I had to have my business cards ready I had to be networking I had to be thinking about like seven years from now and I remember coming back and just crying because I was like I am going to fail here I do not do this well my like worst nightmare used to be a networking event and then I became more comfortable Same. with myself yeah it just felt so transactional. It was so scary and icky to me. And I know everyone else was fine. If everyone else can just, it's like a social contract. We agree. This is what this is happening here. Like, just do it. But I couldn't get out of my own head about it. And so I made it worse for myself. And now I'm in a place where I'm like, or I can just show up as me and I feel confident in that. And that's fine. And also I can still relate to people. So I think it's also me kind of getting my own ship off my own shoulder, um, which I think is important. But I think that's part of those question marks. It's It's like... I always felt like I had to be thinking about ambition in a certain way. And it was something that did not come easy to me and it scared the crap out of me. And today I'm more comfortable with the more nebulous concept of ambition and it's freeing and also confusing. <laughs> and I think about that also with the definition of success. Someone tagged me in a post on LinkedIn being like, oh, how do you define success? She was working on a presentation and was asking a bunch of people. Yeah, it took me a while. Yeah. Because I don't want to define success in the way that I have been taught to define success. I mean, I I used to speak about that because when I joined Elevate, this is not what a MBA was supposed to be doing. You know, like I had just graduated and I was foregoing making more money for doing something that I was just gonna give it a try. And it took me years to redefine success and now I'm doing it again because I don't necessarily know that it's the same that it was 10 11 years ago what me. did you what did you give that person that tagged you in that post for the definition so I said something along the lines of so there's this Ru Ruth Bader Ginsburg quote that I used to live my my life by and so I used a little bit of that which is using the best of my abilities and skills to leave the world a little better than I found it while working towards doing that with people I respect and love. And yes, making enough money so that I can go see my family and friends. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole, I love that. I, I will look up that quote and like put it somewhere that I look at it all the time because I think that really encapsulates probably what I'm thinking as well. Um, and I wasn't aware of that quote before or, or at least well, the, yeah, the quote is like, she wants to be remembered as some someone who used the her abilities to lead the world better than she found it or something like that. I added that rest because 
if I, one thing, just like you, you know, things that you learn about yourself as you, as you go, for me, what I learned, what I've learned is that I need to work with people I care about. I can't just, which is why I don't think I can go into a big company, which there are many reasons why I don't think I can go into a big company. But yeah. yeah. I, I keep getting asked where I'll be bored. So we'll see. Yeah, no, I love that. I love also like the focus on the people and the community and doing the people you love and, and respect. And, you know, you do all these like disc assessments and things like that, you know, and it's ever for me, it's always it's so consistent, whether they're, you know, there's a lot of back and forth about whether these are psychologically sound or not, um, or scientifically sound rather. And I, it's always consistent. I am totally incentivized and motivated by respect and people around me. I am not motivated by glory, for lack of a better word. Um, I do want to feel respected. I do want to be around people who respect me, who I can respect and learn from. And I, and that's how I live my life all the time. I, I, I it absolutely energizes me. And I, I think that that, that's a really nice framework to think about success, I think, you know, um, and to help guide decision-making in your life. I think that's the thing at the end of the day, we make like a million and a half decisions all the time. And some of them are, mm. are really big. And some of them are just, yeah. what yogurt flavor am I going to have today? <laughs> and sometimes the small ones also feel big until you see them back, like hindsight and are like, that wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. Also true. It's just hard. Also true. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking time to chat. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I didn't fully say this before, so I'm going to quickly say that I love what you said, that when someone asks you what you're doing right now, is that you're not just figuring it out, but you're like leveraging various activities to determine and lead to the next phase in your life, which I know you used different words, but I think I feel so busy all the time having all these conversations. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, what am I even doing? I'm just in a rat race, but I'm unemployed. And I'm like, this is not what this is supposed to look like. <laughs> and mm -hmm. and I'm somehow like pressed and on Zoom and like talking to folks all the time. And, um, but, but I, I, yes, that is what I'm doing. I am doing something. I am working on this next phase, leveraging these conversations. And I think, I think that's really valuable. And I think a, a good point there's so many folks that are laid off or unemployed in other for other reasons right now and i think that that's it's really powerful to kind of remind folks that whether you quit your job or you didn't there's um you are doing something um yeah. at that time and i think it ties back to the success and ambition as well you know you're not not doing something um, yeah yeah i've struggled with that one because i keep being like i'm not doing anything no i'm doing a lot. yeah like yeah you are yeah i would love to not be doing anything actually yeah, me too. <laughs> Anyways, well, thank you so much. This was fun. Thank you for listening to Shit, I Just Quit My Job. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. It means the world to me. Please share with your friends. 